0: Stay angry that the government want to take all this from us, stay angry that Highways England want to plough four lanes of HGV traffic through this. It
1: will just be an environmental disaster, it will be an emotional disaster, it will be a mental health disaster. Any work that will disturb the cap on that site has the potential to release dioxins, asbestos fibres, polychlorinated biphenyls. Chemicals that are proven to be carcinogenic or harmful to health. People are still unaware at just how severe and how detrimental
2: the plans the are. The amount
1: of pollution, that literally just killing people off. All
2: the distress that continual traffic causes all the time, the noise, the particulates, so we've got to find a way to deal with this, but building another road is not the answer. Hello and welcome to our podcast, We Said No. We've been away for a while working behind the scenes. In this episode, we wanted to look at one of the many reasons we called this podcast, We Said No. Not only is Rimrose Valley Country Park a place for wildlife, it's also used for walking, running, cycling, and other sporting and fitness activities which are all great for our health and well-being. In this episode, we're focusing on our national game, football, an intrinsic part of Liverpool culture. In fact, our country park is surrounded by over 20 football pitches. To the north of the park, the pitches at Buckley Hill are home to Bootle and Hightown Junior Football Leagues, and the brand new Liverpool County Football Association facility sits immediately next to Rimrose Valley, off Edge Lane. Brookvale is home to Crosby Stewart Junior Football Club and is located within the park's boundaries at the southern end. The reason why there are so many football pitches around Rimrose Valley Country Park is mainly because the whole of South Sefton area is so built up. Rimrose Valley and the land around is one of the few places that offers access to very scarce green space. Initial designs for the National Highway's proposals shared in 2017 appear to indicate that the route would pass through Buckley Hill, destroying many of the pitches and compromising those that were left with air, noise and light pollution. So how many people actually use these football pitches? We went over to Buckley Hill on Sunday morning to talk to some of those involved.
1: Josh, keep pushing, Josh. Push. Now push. My name's Lee McTavid. I'm a part of Lidlund Elite. We play on Buckley Hill. We've been part of the League for four or five years now. The boys have played since they were six and seven. Um, Buckley Hill, they've moved over here today, but it's an institution locally. Everyone's played at Buckley Hill, everyone's just three generations here, sometimes you've got dads and granddads here who've played there and are watching their sons and daughters even play and it means a lot and without Buckley Hill, there's, there's nowhere else the kids could play and then that's where you lead to, they're on the streets then, they're looking to keep themselves busy, they doing gangs, they're in trouble You know, we're, we're all passionate about keeping Buckley Hill open because it means a lot to the community as well as the kids I mean it's not just Buckley Hill, like, those we like that as well. You know, there's a running sack on there sometimes. We go round rim rolls and we, you know, just fitness and exercise. We walk the jog on there. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a big part of where we live and to lose it would it'd be, it'd be bad for the area. When you get to a certain age and it stops becoming grassroots, it's sort of a semi-professional. Like the older, you see on the older pictures, the, the bigger ones at the back there with the larger goals the adults can use there as well. Oh, my name is John Mansfield. I'm the chairman of the Bootle Junior Football League, and I uh, I run the gauge up between the under 11s and under 16s. So, for me, this this league is represented in in the county cup finals every year. We've got two teams in the county cup finals this season: under 16s today, now, and uh, under 16s in a week. So, at county FA, and every year we're represented in the finals. So that goes a long way to explaining. How good the, the Bootle league is, and now it's revealed throughout the uh, throughout major side leagues, we're, we're a popular league. Uh, I'm i not saying we're the best league, but we're not there with the best. Take this away, and you've just diluted the, the whole football family really across major side.
2: Winning, Aiden, winning, it. it At weekends alone, approximately four thousand people use the pitches on Buckley Hill. These pitches are provided free for the community by Sefton Council and are used not only during the football season but pretty much every weekend and several times during the week throughout the year. So, what are the main benefits to the community?
1: You know, there's the fitness, there's the, the mental health side of it, you know, getting out, being around your friends, fresh air, just not, not being on your own, everyone's been locked down for so long. Just the social element, getting out and just enjoying yourself and doing what you love. There's a lot to be said for exercise, you don't realise how much it impacts you till you can't do it.
2: There are other benefits to local community football, as Sue Sinclair, one of our volunteers, discovered when she spoke to John, who is involved with the Homeless Football League.
1: I'm here with John and um they've been involved with the homeless football league for quite some time and you've seen you know people who have been in a bit of a mess really um because of circumstances of sometimes what they've done themselves or what has happened to them and they've been in you know really difficult mental health state but you've seen how that has changed. Can you tell us just a little tiny bit about how taking them to play football actually has changed their lives? Yeah, we've been going for 16 years and we've seen the benefits of loads and thousands of um, lads and girls changing their attitude. They might come to us with a drink, drugs, mental health issue, socially isolated, and bringing them together to play football, um, it breaks down all those barriers then they're not out causing antisocial behaviour. They're not drinking, they're not taking drugs, they're meeting new friends. It's a, it's not just a, a, a sport, it's a social gathering uh, in a safe place. So f- for us, the, the football was always, wasn't about kicking a ball, it was about bringing people together and getting them fit and, and all the all the aspects of coming together as, as a group of people. Uh, so yeah, I think to lose those pitches isn't just a, losing a pitch, it's losing a community resource.
2: It's not only Buckley Hill that could be destroyed. The newly renovated Liverpool County FA site would also be severely impacted by HGV's thundering past right next to their pitches. If national highways get their way, the four lane highway proposal would run between the canal and Liverpool County FA pitches with very little room for anything else. Janet McNulty spoke to Dan Green, who is Chief Executive Officer of Liverpool County FA. Hello Dan. If a dual carriageway runs alongside your playing facilities, what will be the effect on those facilities?
0: The impact could be quite significant in terms of the um, noise pollution, pollution more broadly to, to the users that we have on our site. You know, The, the, the hub itself caters for people of, of a vast array of ages from four-, five-, and six-year-olds right the way through to 70-, 80-year-olds playing walking football from, from all sorts of demographics, and that's seven days a week. There is obviously a concern from a, a site perspective as to the impact that a busy dual carriageway could have.
2: If the road didn't actually take any of your land but ran alongside it, would you still get mitigation from national highways?
0: No, it, it, it would be very unlikely. I, I mean. From experience, the, the only scenario where we may in some way, shape or form is if the they sought to use our site or, or some of the, the land on there for, I don't know, potentially housing equipment. If, if they felt that that would, would benefit them, that would be the only scenario I can see where, where our site, the Sefton Hub site, would would get any sort of mitigation.
2: Do you think that there would be a tail off of usage?
0: Possibly, Janet. Quite possibly. I, I think the challenge um, in Sefton as a borough, if I'm honest, is that there is a shortage of football facilities, be those natural turf grass pitches or be it artificial facilities. So there's a need of, of about 17 artificial full-size pitches in Sefton, given such as the demand for grassroots football. And at this moment in time that there isn't one. So, so the fact that there is such a shortage of facilities, I think will will mean that people will continue to use facilities that are available to them. But I I do think that that there is a chance that this route will will make people question where they go to play football and whether the facilities are affected and adequate as a result of any impact for their son, their daughter, their grandchildren, you know, themselves, whoever that may be. So I, I do think for some it will be a consideration, yes.
2: Let's remember... We're living in an area where one part of our community, in Lineker Ward, 60% of the population don't own a car. So if these football pitches were lost, a significant sector of our local community might struggle to experience the simple right to play football. There has been talk of constructing 4G pitches with synthetic turf, but again, these are costly to maintain and access. Here's Lee again.
1: Not everyone can afford the four G pitches. That can be about ninety pound an hour. You know, if you go to certain places like Jeffrey Wimble. Um and then obviously if you've got an affiliation discount, it's still about thirty five pound a week. It's a lot of money. This is like a free training venue. Because just just thinking off the top of my head, I can think of buckley I can think of Rimrose, and I can't think of any more open green spaces. Really, if you look behind mm. us. There was green space which has been took over by Hazen developments now, and that's been taken over. So that's it into potential pit expansion, but. Just genuinely nowhere else. We'd have to go out of out of the area to continue to play football. And it's not feasible. A lot of people play football because it's local. A lot of parents don't drive, single-parent families. A lot of people who live round here, it's easy to get to. But there's genuinely nowhere I can think of now that we could, we could move to if this ever went. Or if Rimrose went, where did he put the running club? It's, it's packed into a tight area as it is. It's excellent for what it is. But there's not a lot of room, it's just a running track, and then after running track, there's just nowhere really else to go. So they're just making the most of limited space at the moment, and so you need the green space.
2: So what can we take from all this? Well, as we've heard, demand for football pitches in the area is very high. So the threat of losing what we already have is a huge concern to the clubs, managers, players, and their families alike. Football is ingrained in the fabric of our city, possibly more than any other. So there's a huge generational legacy that's in danger of being lost. Where will the next local Everton and Liverpool players come from if we keep putting up barriers to accessing grassroots football facilities and making it harder and harder for parents to travel to take their children to training? Much has been said about the fact that 3 and 4G pitches can simply replace any grass pitches that are to be ripped up. This is, no doubt, part of National Highways' mitigation strategy. But where will these pitches be situated? Legally, they must be offered within a three-mile radius of the originals. However, isn't this an unreasonable distance to expect parents to travel, when today they're on the doorstep for so many of us? National Highways will also point to the fact that these pitches will be available more often than grass equivalents, which are more susceptible to weather conditions. However, because of the high material and maintenance costs, many of these next-generation pitches will only be accessible to the public for a fee. These can cost up to £90 an hour, presenting an immediate financial barrier to players, clubs and parents, at a time when inflation and the cost of living are already spiralling out of control. Surely it's vital that pitches continue to be local and free to the community using them. There's also the environmental concerns to take into account with artificial pitches. How does ripping up real grass and replacing it with plastic or rubber contribute to helping the environment? Playing football for young people has a massively positive influence on their health and well-being. The ability to pick up a ball and go for a kickabout on the local pitch is something we've all grown up with. Look at the increasing numbers for women's football, for instance, culminating in England's women's football team winning the European Cup In fact, Alex Greenwood, one of the Lionesses, ex-captain for Man United, and now with Man City, began her career with Everton, having grown up and trained locally, only half a mile away. Demand for pitches is probably going to be higher than ever now, as we're likely to have lots of girls wanting to be Lionesses. However they choose to dress it up, and whatever carrots they dangle about improves facilities National Highway's proposals threaten to take away the basic right to play and enjoy grassroots football in this part of our football-mad city. Access to pitches will become a privilege only to those who can afford it and have the transport to travel there. It's fair to say that the serious link between road air pollution and people's health is well documented. We talked about the tragic death of 10-year-old Ella Deborah in one of our recent podcasts but the British Journal of Sports Medicine has recently published research papers which examine the effect of road air pollution on those who are performing sporting activities nearby. These conclude that exposure to freshly mixed combustion emissions, such as those observed in close proximity to high volumes of traffic, is of particular concern. Evidence indicates that there is a greater level of toxicity from freshly generated exhaust fumes. Acute exposure causing decreases in lung and vascular function in both healthy and asthmatic subjects. So, a dual carriageway full of HGVs severely and subversively penalising those who choose to try to exercise their heart and lungs. How crazy and unfair is that? Let's leave the final word with Lee at Buckley Hill.
1: There must be a different way to do it rather than just to bulldoze through a place like this. There must be a different change that we saw look at traffic lights and one-way systems. I don't know, I'm not i am not smart enough. The smarter people than me can come up with the answers, but there must be a more creative solution and just knock everything down and build through it. There must be.
2: This podcast was created by the Friends Working Group, namely Tim Brunson, Janet McNulty, Sue Sinclair... Gary Young, Stu Bennett, and myself, Linda Gaskell. Our music was composed and created by The Reeds. Special thanks to Dan Green, Lee McDavid, John Mansfield, and John Finnegan, who featured in this episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Rimrose Valley, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook. Keep up to date by subscribing to We Said No wherever you find your podcasts. If you want to find out more information, get involved or support our campaign please go to rimrosevalleyfriends.org.